0: Matthew chapter 5, please. Matthew 5, and today we'll begin reading in verse number 17. As you're finding that, let me remind you of what we have learned so far in the Sermon on the Mount. The first passage we looked at was at the end of Matthew seven preached a sermon called Groundwork, wherein we emphasized how a Christian life needs to be built on the words of Jesus Christ. Then we went back to the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. We talked about how to get a blessing. And at the end of that sermon, we turned it around to how to actually give a blessing to the Lord by having all of those virtues that you read about, these Beatitudes... By having those things present in your life. A couple weeks ago, last time I preached, I talked to you about being good for nothing. When it matters most. Now if you think about this, I didn't mention it during that sermon, but if you put all of this information together, Jesus said, if you build your house upon my words, you build your life on my words when the rain comes. When the floods happen, when the storm kicks up and begins to blow, your house will stand. Anybody's house can stand on a fair weather day. If a person is living their life according to the words of Christ, then when it's difficult, when life is filled with trouble, when persecution happens, you'll be good for something. The house won't fall. Matthew 5 and verse number 17, today we're going to look at a subject, the topic of the sermon is guaranteed greatness, that's our title, guaranteed greatness. Jesus said in verse 17, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. Now when when Jesus said this, he's referring to the Bible. At the time he said it, that was all of the Bible there was, the law and the prophets. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. The law, the Bible says, is good. It's spiritual. There's nothing wrong with it. Jesus did not come to correct some faults in the law, any of its inadequacies. Jesus, as we should be, He was aware that the law had limits. The law was not meant to give life. The law was not meant to be a permanent solution. Jesus knew that. He knew that the law has run its course. The law was given because of transgressions until the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And that seed is Christ. You can see it as Moses passing the baton to Jesus. Moses has done his job. The prophets have done their job. And now Jesus says, I've come to fulfill everything you read in the Old Testament. Look at the emphasis he gives us in verse 18. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. In Matthew 24, Jesus would go on to say it like this, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Connecting what he's saying, the authority thereof is equal with that of the Old Testament. It's all inspired of God. Every jot, every tittle. In the Hebrew language there are 22 consonants. They don't have vowels. The Hebrew language has 22 consonants and then they they put dots and small markings underneath the words, or the letters rather, to make the vowel sounds. But one of the consonants in the Hebrew language is yot. We would write it in English as j-o-t, a jot. And it's the smallest of all the Hebrew letters. If you write it on a line, it doesn't even come down to the line. It looks like, in English, what we know as an apostrophe. It looks sort of like that. Yot is a very small, smallest letter there is. A tittle. With the Hebrew letters, you can draw them. Where one, uh, it goes, there's a a, a vertical line and a horizontal line coming off of it. And then the tittle is just a little bit more of the line sticking off. You and I would know it as the crossbar on a T, on a lowercase t. That's how small it is. Jesus said every jot, every tittle. Every little part of the Bible, Jesus was mindful of it. Jesus didn't come and say, I'll just do the big things. He said, I'm going to come and I'll even take care of every small thing, every least command, every least picture and prophecy. I'm going to fulfill all of it. Would to God today, that was our attitude towards the Bible, that we took it so seriously That we said every command, every word, every syllable, every letter is important to me. I don't want to accomplish only the big things, even the little things. God's word is that important to me. When Jesus said this, if you are a first century Jew, listening to these words, you know what you should have done? Immediately You should take out your Bible, which to them is their Old Testament. They should have taken, or our Old Testament. They should have taken that out and said, okay, you said that you're going to fulfill all of it. Now let's examine your life by the pages of our Bible. And let's see if you prove yourself true. Do you see that Jesus is accepting the Scripture, the written Word of God as His final authority? He says, you can judge me by it if you want. If you want to know if I'm the right Messiah, if I'm the true one. Just just check your Bible. Look at the miracles I do. Look at the things I preach. Look at the various aspects of my life and you'll see that I am fulfilling the law and the prophets. Folks, again, if I can just preach for a moment, if we take out a Bible and examine your life, would we come to the conclusion that you're truly a born-again Christian? Would you subject your life to the final authority of the Word of God and say, here you go, you can examine me by this and you can see if I'm really saved or not. Jesus accepted this as his final authority. You know as well as I, the Jews by and large, the multitude rejected Jesus as the Messiah. Do you know why they did that? In in the book of Acts, the apostle Paul said that when the Messiah came, the Jews, the rulers of the Jews, they were not familiar with the Voices of the prophets which were read every week in their synagogue. And that's why they killed the Son of God. There was God standing right in front of them. And they couldn't even tell it because they skipped church and didn't learn their Bible. Amen, pastor. That's good preaching. You don't have to amen it. It's still true. Just because you're under too much conviction to say anything doesn't make it any less true. They skipped synagogue and they didn't hear the prophets and the law being read and then when the author and finisher of our faith stood on the earth and did every jot and tittle they missed it. They missed it. Verse number 19. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least Commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Do you see there's two groups there? Does everybody see that? Are we are we together on that? Least great. Do you see that? Here comes a third group, verse 20. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. I would like to preach to you today about the four groups that we have just looked at. The four groups that we've just looked at. Let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Father, please help us as we go through these few verses. Help us, Lord, not to miss one jot or tittle. Please, God, do a work that only you can do. Help me, Lord. Fill me. Anoint me fresh. Touch our hearts today, please. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As I've mentioned, I want to talk about guaranteed greatness. So the group that I will speak about last, you've already read about in verse 19, the great in the kingdom of heaven. We'll get to that. We're going to build our way up to that. But we've got to start at the bottom and work up. The first group that you see mentioned in verse 19 and 20, in verse 20, you see the absolute worst possible outcome, and that is in no case in no case do these people enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, this worst case scenario, he is righteous only in appearance. Jesus is speaking to the scribes and Pharisees. They are, as we know from Matthew 23, hypocrites. But they are very religious, they sound very spiritual. But Jesus told us in Matthew 23, they are whited sepulchers. The, the tombstone is painted very beautiful, but inside the grave there's just dead men's bones. The outside of the cup and platter, beautiful condition, but inside the cup it's filled with excess and extortion and all sorts of other sins. It looks good on the outside, but the inside is a filthy mess. This man, he's, he's religious, but he's fake, and there's a decent chance he's a church today. But he's only at church so that other people can see him at church. He's only at church so that someone else will be able to nod the head and say, I saw you there. And this is as far as his religion will go. It is all for show. This man, the scribes and Pharisees, mind you, they studied the Bible constantly. They did. The scribes and Pharisees, they had a certain knowledge of the truth, but as we find out later in the Gospels, it was a perverted, a twisted version of the truth. They had a version of the truth that had been tainted by the tradition of their elders. I'd like you to take a moment and just think about how that might relate to your personal life and to our society how religion has possibly become tainted by tradition and we no longer have a pure form of the truth coming directly from the Bible into our hearts, but it goes from the Bible through our culture and then into our hearts. And it ends up twisted and perverted. And It's it's a form of knowledge, but it lacks the godliness. It lacks the power thereof. This man, because of his twisted version of biblical knowledge, he has a a twisted reason for living. He does everything to be seen of men. And because of this, he's unable unable to receive biblical truth. And I'll tell you why I say this. He's unable. Jesus said, how can you believe who seek honor one from another? Jesus said if you are more concerned with what other people think about you rather than what God thinks about you, you'll never be able to grasp the truth because you'll always judge what's being said in light of what other people think about it. Not by God said it, therefore it's so. This man's righteousness, it's built by tradition, it's built by popularity. He thinks a thing is right because... My ancestors have been doing it this way for so many years, it must be right. By using the word ancestors, by the way, I'm not referring to any one people group. White people have ancestors too. Amen. And they can also be slaves to their tradition. Amen. That's not a racial thing at all. They do it by tradition, based on what they've always heard. They do it based on popularity. Well, everyone else must, you know, you look at the big churches, the mega churches, there's thousands of people doing it. It must be right. Now, I mentioned earlier that there's a decent chance this man would be in church today. Probably not our church. Because there's nothing traditional about us. (laughs) You haven't done it this way, right, in South Africa for a long time. And there's nothing popular about this place either. We're not a mega church. So there's a decent chance this guy... If he shows up here, who's going to see him? You say, well, there's enough people here. Yeah, but this guy, he's interested in a bigger crowd seeing him. (laughs) Folks, if your righteousness is built only on popularity and tradition, there's no way you're going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said it has to exceed that. You have an offer through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, to receive the righteousness of God. And that affects your heart. It cleanses your soul of all sin. And only through that righteousness can you enter the kingdom. That's your only hope of entering that kingdom. If all you're doing this morning is putting on a show, please know that Jesus, when He spoke to a Pharisee, said, you must be born again. Now, group number two. In verse number 19, we'll move on to a a better group here. We're going to talk about those that are least. The least, he says. In verse 19, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. I must admit, I wish I had more time to prepare for this sermon. Not because I had a busy week and didn't have a chance to Think about it. I did. But the more I dwell on this passage, the more fascinating it becomes. I have learned so much this week in in letting myself marinate in these thoughts. This one who Jesus says, He breaks one of the least and He does it. He gets called least in the kingdom. What does that mean to be least in the kingdom? He did not say, at least you're in the kingdom. He didn't say that. He said, you will be called least in the kingdom. So if you were here for Sunday school, you had an outstanding lesson about what will happen in the future. Garrett taught us about how Jesus will one day return to the earth and establish his kingdom on the earth. In that kingdom, what we call the millennial kingdom, Jesus will have his own government. He will be king of kings. Who do you think those kings are going to be? The Bible says in Revelation 5 verse 10 We shall reign as kings and priests on the earth. The kingdom of the Antichrist will be overthrown and Jesus needs to reinstate faithful cabinet members to His government. Who does He turn to? He turns to people that were faithful servants during their lives. So the ones that are least in the kingdom These are people that will have low-level management positions in the kingdom. I don't know a better way to describe it. Those that are great, they will have high-level positions, kings, vice-president, that type of stuff. Low-level management, those that are least. How do they achieve this position? Look at what he said. They break one of these least commandments and teach men so. What is implied in that? They are doing the big commandments correctly. They have the big stuff right. It's the little things, the, the commands that are least. They're doing those things wrong, and they're teaching men so. So let me make from this a few conclusions. Number one, they have the fundamentals correct, the weightier matters. And number two, this guy is actually doing something with what he believes. So he's not a hypocrite. He doesn't say one thing and do another. He teaches it. He might have it a little wrong, but at least he follows through and practices what he preaches so he's not a hypocrite. Did everybody see that? Are we together on that? There's something else you have to recognize and maybe I should have touched on this sooner. There are different levels to the commandments of God. Some are more important than others. Now some people when they approach the Bible, they just say, listen, it's all important. It's all the same, you know. A sin is a sin is a sin. They're all the same. Doesn't matter what sin you commit. doesn't matter what command you break, they're all the same. Now, that's not true. When they, when they came to Jesus, the, a lawyer came to Jesus and said, what is the great commandment of the law? What's the biggest one? Jesus gave the smartest answer ever. He broke it down into two. The first, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus did not say, oh, no, no, there's not a great and a small He acknowledged that there was. He knew that there was. Furthermore, you might remember Jesus when he was speaking to the scribes and Pharisees he said, You guys pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin but you have omitted the weightier matters of the law. Judgment, mercy, faith. So Jesus acknowledged that there are some commandments that are least and some that are greatest or bigger. Let me give you a few examples of Old Testament small commandments. We're not dealing with the list of ten. Most people, their Bible knowledge ends at the ten commandments. And even there, they can get maybe six out of ten. You know, the ones that they struggle with. (laughs) So we're not talking about the ten. I would would like to say the ten are quite important. But there are commandments in the Old Testament about what to do with birds' eggs that you find fallen on the ground. Did you know that's in the law? You can't just pick that up and eat it. (laughs) You need to know, according to the law, if you're a Jew in the Old Testament, what do I do about that? There are laws against, it's a prohibition against using a donkey and an ox in the same yoke. You can't put them in the same yoke. It's forbidden in the Old Testament law. You are not allowed to plant various types of seeds in your garden. You can't put potatoes and tomatoes in the same garden. Not if you're a Jew in the Old Testament. That's a small command, isn't it? The Bible in the Old Testament talks about wearing a shirt or a garment that is made of multiple fabrics. So just so that you know, all of you are breaking the law this morning. (laughs) Going to hell. All of you. Because we all have garments that have a mixture of cotton or this or that. It's something we're wearing breaks the law. Do you see how those commands are not nearly as important as thou shalt not kill? (laughs) I hope you see a difference in those. I mentioned the verse earlier where Jesus said, You've omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, faith. Listen to this. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. Jesus didn't say... All you need to do is focus on the big things. Don't worry about the small things. That is not what Jesus taught. Jesus said, you should do the big things and put more emphasis on the big things because they're more important. Don't forget the small things as well. Don't forget the jots and tittles. They're important too. Does anybody remember the verse that Jesus gave us just after saying that? He said, ye blind guides ye strain at a gnat and swallow a camel the Jews also had a massive dietary law one of the forbidden animals or I think we would call it an insect one of the forbidden things to eat was a flying creeping thing you can read in Leviticus a flying creeping thing for most of us that's not an issue we have no appetite for flying creeping things <laughs> In in Afrikaans I believe you call it a chocha. I love that word. Look. hohaki. I don't know if you actually say that. I'm making that up now. Do you say chohaki? No that, that sounds like a dance move. I'm doing the hohaki. Hho I do calm down. <laughs> I, I won't finish the dance, but a gnat. To strain at a gnat. The Jews had a that law. Don't don't eat flying, creeping things. They were afraid that if somebody accidentally sucked in a gnat, a chocha, that person had now broken the law, and they would literally be cut off from Jewish society. If a gnat, if a chocha, fell into their their juice, their wine, whatever fluid they were going to drink, before they would drink it they would strain that fluid to make sure all the chochas had been taken out. Because if they accidentally drank that fluid and a gnat went down, they are now apostate Jews. That is why Jesus said, you strain at a gnat. You guys are so careful about that little chochaki. You'll spend all that time just to get that least little thing out. But there's bigger issues... It, camels were also unclean meat he says you guys are worried about the little bitty things but you're forgetting about the important things now he's talking to the hypocrites in that case there's a great lesson to be learned there I just want you to understand when we're talking about the smaller things you can take a legitimate law do not eat flying creeping things they overemphasized that small thing and turned it into something completely wrong that's how you could break. That's how you could teach and break one of the least commandments. Everybody understand? They take it and they overemphasize it. They make it more important than it really is. In the New Testament, I believe that there are some smaller issues as well. They're not listed out per se, but let me give you, I think, what would be a fair list dietary choices. Dietary choices. You're allowed to eat whatever you want in the New Testament. As soon as you start teaching that somebody who eats pork is less spiritual than the guy who doesn't, you see you've gone too far. Is that as important as the gospel? No. No. But the Bible does have something to say about that matter. Uh, Do you observe holy days or holidays? Should we gather on Easter and Christmas and observe those as special days or should we not? It's a smaller issue. How often should we take the Lord's Supper? There are some people that... Zinle, tell them you call them back. There are some people that believe when you take the Lord's Supper, you should only eat the bread and not drink the juice. Small issues, small little things. Some people are confused about Tongues. What does it mean to speak in tongues and a heavenly prayer language and speaking gibberish when they do? The Bible does have something to say about it, but that's not as important as being saved. The mode of baptism. Do you believe in sprinkling or immersion? The Bible, I believe, is very clear on that. You should know what the Bible says about that small matter. But let's admit, it's a small matter. Dress codes and haircuts. We're not going to run around measuring everybody's the sleeve length. And The Bible says dress modestly. Ladies, specifically that verse is directed to you. Dress modestly. That's as far as we need to take that. We don't want to overemphasize that. I, some preachers, that's all they preach is what a woman wears. It makes you wonder what's on that preacher's heart when that's all he can talk about. What about greetings in church? The Bible does say... That, that we should greet one another with a holy kiss. <laughs> How do we apply that, especially in our current circumstance? The Bible says in Galatians that you can offer the right hand of fellowship. The Bible says in other places, salute the saints. I think we go with that one for now. right? <laughs> salute the saints. <laughs> I have been in churches where... I have been rebuked because I did not greet a, a certain people in the church correctly. Even in our church, I've had people get upset. I wasn't greeted. Is that really a big deal? Isn't that a small deal? There are certain small issues in the New Testament. Now, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I will continue to check into these small issues, maybe as I've listed them. You've even thought, wait a minute, I think that's a big issue. Wait a minute, but I believe in that. I'll continue to learn, you continue to learn, when it comes to these least issues, I don't think they should dictate our fellowship, our love one for another. But I'm not just going to throw them behind my back and say, "Eh, they don't matter. Eh, Let's not talk about them because by talking about them, we create division in the body of Christ. Can't we all just get along by ignoring them? If I'm reading Matthew chapter 5 correctly, even the least things are important to Jesus. Alright, now Matthew 5 verse number 19, there's one other group that we read of. It says at the end of the verse, but whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, it would be natural, I think, at this point for, for me to go from the least to the greatest, right? That's what we read. So we started with the worst, they don't get in. The least, low level management, but they're in the kingdom, low level inheritance. And then there's this great, but I believe that there is another group shoved in the middle of this that is implied. We didn't specifically read about them, but by the details that Jesus gave us, he narrowed things down to create a fourth group. Say, Preacher, what is this fourth group called? I don't know. In my notes, here's how I've written it, unmentionable. I don't know what to call you actually. And you'll see why. Just look at the verse and and help me. This is where I've been thinking and meditating on it. There's a guy who breaks and teaches the least. There's a guy who does and teaches properly the least. What about the guy who doesn't do anything with the least? He has the weightier matters right. In both cases in verse 19, they got the fundamentals, they got the big things right. But the difference is on the least things. One guy teaches and breaks them, the other guy teaches and does them correctly. But what about a guy who has the weightier matters correct, but then says, eh, who cares about the least things? And he doesn't teach anything about it, he doesn't do anything about it, he has absolutely no opinion about it. He is satisfied with simply knowing a couple of the big issues. Jesus didn't even mention that guy. So I've, na- I've labeled him unmentionable. <laughs> unmentionable. Let me talk about Mr. Unmentionable just for a moment. He's not a hypocrite. He's not a hypocrite because he doesn't profess to be a spiritual giant. You know what this guy says? If he's in the days of Jesus while Jesus is preaching this, right? Jesus hasn't died on the cross, so this is what the guy would say. Well, at least I'm a child of Abraham. You know, I believe in Moses. I think you should be a good guy and treat people well. Yeah, but what about what the, what the rabbi said at the synagogue last Saturday? Actually, you know, I had other things to do. I had had business there at the farm and I had a gathering with the family and I had a trip to make and you know I got married got a wife and she you know she's, she has other ideas about synagogue and by the way I'm just quoting Bible on that I'm not making that out that's what Jesus Jesus said those are the excuses people use so I hope you're listening to those least, least little details this guy would say yeah I believe in Moses I think you should treat people right Does he ever go to the Feast of Tabernacles? No. Does he gather and observe Passover? Nah. Circumcise the kids? Yeah, if it's convenient. That's all he would do. If I can move this into a New Testament setting, the guy today would say, Hey, listen, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. I believe that he died on the cross and rose again. And I think you should treat people well. And that's as far as it goes. That's as much as he'll ever do with his religion. And I love you folks, but for some of you, for the last five, six, seven years, as long as I've known you, that's all you've done. And you're a nice nice guy. And you do. You treat people well. You don't claim to be a spiritual giant. You're not even trying to be. You're satisfied to just be saved. So we have least in the kingdom, great in the kingdom. What would this guy be? He'd just be in the kingdom. You wouldn't be high level management. You wouldn't be low level management. You'd just be sitting there in the kingdom. Watching reruns. Playing Xbox. Just sitting there. No rewards. Only regrets. How how does this verse fit? He that is faithful in that which is least. Is faithful also in much say, but preacher, I, I thought it was a good thing to just get the big things right and not worry about the little things. How does that fit with what Jesus is saying in verse 17, 18, 19? I mean, the emphasis in verse 19, folks, is what you do with the least things. You say, but I, I thought we should emphasize the big things. We should emphasize the big things. And then if you emphasize the big things, that emphasis will trickle down to the little things and help you get those right as well. A born-again person should have a desire to say, now that I have accepted the resurrected Christ, now that the Spirit of the living God dwells within my heart, I... Oh, please listen to this. I want to apply the death, burial, and resurrection to every aspect of my life, all the way down to the jots and tittles. Did you know that the resurrection of Christ literally touches every part of your life? All the way down to what you eat this, after, this afternoon. You say, oh, where does that stand? And now we know who's been in their Bible and who hasn't. You say, I've never heard such a thing. Well, maybe I ought to come to church more often. Maybe I ought to come to Bible school on Sunday night. Amen. Amen. That's good preaching, Brother Mike. Amen. I agree. Maybe you ought to bring your family on Wednesday night to a midweek service. Come to Bible school there. Say, preacher, I'm too busy. Exactly, thank you. You have got the problem nailed down. Now that you've found the problem, fix the problem. Make time to get as much Bible as you can. It will affect your eternity. Say, well, all I care about, I just want to get to heaven. Okay, well, you just get there. And then you stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ and He says, what about those least things? If I couldn't trust you with the least things, I can't trust you in my kingdom. You'll just sit there. Here's the big thing. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I hope you have that right. I hope you have that right. There's, there's no evidence of it by the way you live because it doesn't, it doesn't affect anything else in your life. But you claim to believe that. I'm glad you at least profess it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then what? Love one another. You say, yeah, yeah, I believe that. I believe that. I believe Jesus died. I think we should treat, treat people right. But you do it on your terms. You do it your way. You don't investigate in the Scripture and see, now what did God say about raising my kids, working my job? What did He say about coming to church? Do you know what He said about it? Trust me, folks. The standard at which we consider a member faithful is not even close to what the Bible standard is. Not even close. Asking you to come on a Wednesday night... Folks, I'm, I'm making that suggestion for your benefit. I get nothing out of that. We don't take up an offering for that. That is to help you. And that isn't even getting close to the biblical expectations for gathering together. Not even remotely close. What about witnessing? What about baptism? Have you been baptized? What about the Lord's Supper? Do you partake of it? Do you know why? What about Bible studies, midweek or otherwise? What about prayer meetings? Not just the Saturday night one. You say, I'm busy on Saturday nights. Do, Do you have prayer meetings at other times? So that's a small issue. At least I believe in God and come to church Sunday morning. I don't even know what to call you. You're not least, you're not greatest, you're not the hypocrite, but what are you? You're a tree with absolutely no fruit. We know it. We know the tree by the fruit, right? Well, you're a tree just sitting there, going, "I don't care if I have any little leaves." Well, then what do we call you? We call you useless. L- look at look at me. My... God help me, I'm taking way too long. We're just going to have to move on from this. Are we okay? Are we learning something? I want to show you something quickly. I promise. I promise. I'll move quickly. You have nowhere better to be for the next 10 minutes. So I'm going to keep you. Amen. Look at the end of Matthew 4. Look at verse 24. Matthew 4 verse 24. And his fame went throughout all Syria. Jesus was famous. Do you see that? He was famous. I mean Twitter was blowing up with this guy. People were posting him on Facebook, he was everywhere, all the way up to Syria. That's a whole other country. And verse 25, and there followed him great multitudes of people. Do you see that? Great multitudes followed him. You know why? He was entertaining. Look at the miracles he was doing. He's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. He's saying all these new... Oh man, this guy is the new thing. He's the fun thing. He's the thing to do. And, you know what most of these people would say? Yeah, this Jesus guy, he's pretty good. I like him. I'm going to follow him. He's handing out free lunches. Right? I mean, he took a little kid's lunch and multiplied it and gave me a free lunch. This is outstanding. And if you're sick, you just go see this guy. He fixes it. Leprosy, anything. Man, this guy's amazing. He was very convenient. He was very pleasing to be around, very entertaining. And they got the great thing right. I like Jesus. They would say that. Like a lot of folks sitting in church would say today. Yeah, I like Jesus. Look at John chapter 6. Look what happened. One day Jesus gave him a Bible lesson. Uh, By the way, in John 6, if if you're not familiar with the context, Jesus just fed the 5,000. And now that same 5,000 have come back because they expect another free lunch. And And you know what Jesus told them this time? Oh, please listen to this. Here's what he said this time. Labor not for the meat that perishes, but labor for the meat that endures to everlasting life. He said, hey, listen guys, this isn't about a free lunch. This isn't about convenience. I did that miracle so that you would see what's going on. You would see I'm the Messiah. You would repent. You would turn to God and not just get the great things right, but even the least things. And that group said, wait a minute, wait a minute. This isn't a free lunch? And Jesus said, let me tell you something about a free lunch. Moses, you know, God used him to bring down the manna for 40 years in the desert that was just bread everybody that ate that bread died they did i mean physically they died he said i'm the true bread come down from heaven you know what the people said <gasps> what you you came from where are you claiming to be an alien <laughs> think about it he just claimed to come from outer space where's your spaceship are you from Area 51? <laughs> That's how people respond to such claims. And the people said, well, wait a minute. You're claiming that you didn't have a normal birth like everybody else? You came from heaven? Ah. He said, I'll go a step further. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't have eternal life. <gasps> what? Witchcraft, juju. John 6. That's what he taught them. Look at verse uh, 60. John 6 verse 60. Many therefore of his disciples. They had been following him. For about a year and a half. Getting the free lunches. Enjoying the show. But when they got a deep Bible lesson. I said, when they got a deep Bible lesson, many therefore of His disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Man, who can understand this, man? Come on, just tell us something simple like love your neighbor. Tell us something about God is love. Why are you making us think? Why are you making us study? This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Verse 61, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it. I wish I had that superpower. Some of you are so, don't play poker because some of you have a horrible poker face. I can see how frustrated you are. Hide it, at least until the service is done. You make it difficult for me to ramble on. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? Does this bother you that I've said? These these little things are important too. Does it bother you? Verse 62. What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? You don't believe that I came down from heaven? What if I just float back up to heaven? Would you believe it then? Because he did. He said, I'll give you the proof if you hang around long enough. Uh, how many people saw him go back up to heaven? Oh, just a handful. Just a handful. Acts chapter 1, verse 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh, profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. So guys, what I'm giving you, these words, they are spirit, they are life. This is what makes up your life. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Every word, every word, even the little ones, even the yot's. Verse 66, from that time many, it says, many of His disciples went back and walked no more with Him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered Him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. He said, where are we going to go? We're learning the Bible with you. And if it's hard, that means we'll just have to work harder to understand it. If it's, if it's a small matter and we need to work it out, we'll take time and figure it out. Those are the disciples, by the way, that became the greatest in the kingdom. The ones Jesus said, you'll be over the 12 tribes of Israel in my millennial kingdom. So now we move on to the last group, and I'll keep this short this great group from Matthew 5 and verse 19, they, they have the big things right, but they also do and teach the little things correctly. We, we've read it already. This guy digs deep into the jots and tittles. Yes, he has the big stuff right. He knows where to put the emphasis. He's not going to put all the emphasis on the chochas. He knows that salvation and loving your neighbor is of the utmost. He gets that. But he also lets, he lets the death, burial, and resurrect, resurrection trickle down to every part of his life. So that the gospel literally directs him. Which it should. A.W. Tozer, many of you know this name. He wrote this. You can be as straight as a gun barrel theologically. And as empty as one spiritually. you understand that statement? You can be as straight as a gun barrel theologically. You got your teachings right. All the way down to the small things. And empty as a gun barrel spiritually. What's he saying? It's not enough to know the big things and the small things. Then you have to do something about it. I'm not preaching this morning that you're going to be considered great because you know your Bible all the way down to the little things. To do them. Say, God, please, I'm hungry. Teach me so that I can do something with this. If you are Tozer's gun barrel, pff, you make a lot of sound, but you don't get a lot of good stuff done. You just hurt people. I am begging you today to desire the sincere milk of the Word that you might grow thereby. Let me say it like this. The man who will be considered great He seeks to learn so that he can learn to please, so that he can please the God who deserves to be worshiped in spirit and in truth. He runs the whole gamut weightier matters, least matters, and does them. Are you aiming for that? I'll close with this story. I met a pastor in America named Dave Fredericks. I believe in South Africa. Frederick, you guys say Fricky as a Bainam, is that right? Isn't that where Fricky comes from? Frederick? So this was my brother Fricky, Pastor Fricky. He, he told me the story of how his mother got saved. His mother was in a nursing home uh, and got moved to hospice, her days were numbered. She was a Jehovah's Witness. Very devout one, devout one. And Brother Fredericks would show up at, at her bedside and read to her the Gospel of John. Hoping that by reading the Gospel of John, she, she would always argue, but now she was so weak, she couldn't even argue. He'd hoped by simply reading the Gospel to her, she would feel the conviction of the Spirit and get saved. Didn't move her at all. He said, Mom, can I read the book of Romans to you? Yes. Read the book of Romans, didn't move her. He went through the New Testament didn't move her you know what Brother Fredericks decided to do he said Brother Flick I went back to the Old Testament and started reading from Genesis 1 1 reading the Bible to her day after day he said I got to Exodus how many of you folks have read Exodus yeah he said I got to the part where they're building the tabernacle how many of you have made it that far and finished it a lot fewer hands now now we found the least (laughs) he said I got to the part where they're building the tabernacle and there's one part where it says they set up the boards on one of the sides I think the west side of the tabernacle and then you have to run a golden bar through those boards through through, you know brackets on the boards and there's five bars two on the top two on the bottom and one long one in the middle now, that's how, that's how our Bible tells the story. He read that story to her. You talk about the least of all stories. That might be it. For the first time in months, his, mo- his mother spoke to him and said, wait, wait, read that again. And he said, Ma, what, what? Read that again about the bar. And he said, well, the bar ran through the middle. It was the longest one. She said, in the Jehovah Witness Church, that's not what they taught us. They, they said that the longest bar was on the bottom. What? Well, they had it wrong. I can't believe it. My church taught me wrong. Well, I guess you're right. Son, I do need to get born again. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? We need to put that in our gospel track, right? <laughs> Romans 10:13, and Exodus whatever, the middle bar is the longest. just remember. He was faithful with that which is least. And it turned into something much. He went down to the jots and tittles, and it made a great difference. Friend, don't be unmentionable. Don't end up that hypocrite that has no chance of the kingdom. Don't be satisfied with just being the least. Strive today to go as deep in the Bible as Jesus would want you to be. Let's all stand. Thank you for your patience. Let's stand. Heads bowed and eyes closed just just for a moment. As I mentioned earlier, I've been thinking about this passage so much this week so much to say I, I, I don't want you to walk away today thinking we need to emphasize the little things we, we simply cannot ignore them we need to let the weightier matters of the New Testament sink down and affect every little part of our life friend you need to figure out what the Bible says about what to do when to wake up and what to do before you go to bed there's verses for all of that. Now, if you're here today and you are not sure that you're going to enter into the kingdom, then we we must put emphasis on the cross. you, Dear friend, please understand Jesus died for your sins He paid for them He was buried, He rose again and because of that He's the only one that can forgive you for all those sins in your life If you have never trusted Him alone as your Savior That That friend is the great commandment for you You must be born again many of you here today you are saved don't be satisfied with just knowing the big things let it trickle down be eager to get the whole thing right for Christ I'll pray and close the service but if if you're not saved, would you please come find me after the service? I'd be honored to tell you how you can know Christ personally. Father, Lord, I i guess it's in my flesh to just pray and close the service and let everybody head to their house. I kind of just feel like you would uh, like to do something for a minute. Lord, I'm not going to rush you. Lord, it breaks my heart that there are so many unmentionable people in churches today. Would you please stir stir in our church, God? Stir in our church so that Lord, we want to put the priorities where they need to be but we don't want to despise the day of small things either help us to do the whole thing for you get it all right thank you for being patient with us as we continually learn Father maybe today someone's here that's not saved and you know who that person is work in that heart please don't let them leave unless they know for sure that they're saved please don't let them do something about that you have guaranteed greatness for the person that puts the right priorities on their Bible that does the whole thing That makes an attempt to get it all right. Help us to strive for that. Please bring us back tonight. Hungry. Ready to learn more. God teach us more. We need it. Thank you for your time this morning Lord. Thank you for speaking to us. In Jesus name. Amen.